Welcome to Driven to Business with your host, Eddie Mayfield. Driven to Business is a business forum program that focuses on success principles in business. And now, it's time for Driven to Business. Good morning, negotiation. Is that a scary word to most people? It used to be to me, as a matter of fact. I used to dread entering any kind of negotiation. The word just kind of frightened me because I think I always associated the word with the argument. Good morning. This is Driven to Business. I'm Eddie Mayfield. We're glad you're here. We're going to talk today about negotiating and uh, negotiating skills. Daniel Pink wrote a, a very good book a few years ago uh, that I've talked about in here before called To Sell as Human. I would advise anybody in business to read that book because it's not just a sales book. Because he defines sales in a very broad way. He defines sales as moving people from one position to another. In other words, moving somebody off of one, from one place to another place, moving them from one opinion to another opinion, moving them in your direction, perhaps, in the, in the case of that we'd like to do in business. And in that regard, as he says, all of us are basically salespeople. In other words, to sell is human, that we all, our parents sell us uh, when we're young on certain values and ideas and habits and so forth they want us to take. So they try to move us, perhaps our natural state of uh, lying on the couch, to move us to go outside and mow the grass. And they can use various methods for doing that. Well, you're not going to go very far in a career. And especially if you're a business owner or manager, you're not going to go very far. If you don't learn how to move people, to convince people to move from a previously held position to a, a different position. I don't mean you. Uh, this is something you do by uh, cheating them or uh, or uh, 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 doing something unethical or anything like that. But just the idea of moving them. I mean, hence the term. That's where the term negotiation does come in. And whether you're making some big giant acquisition or uh, or uh, in a meeting where you're trying to determine uh, what kind of advertising copy you ought to use or something. The idea is you're, you're in a negotiation and, and some certain things apply. There was a guy named Jim Camp that wrote a very interesting article, I think a, a year ago, and, and the title of it sort of caught my attention. It says that business schools teach negotiating tactics that don't work. And I read his article, and, and, and I think I agree with him on, on most cases. I think it was uh, is, is very interesting. Because um, business students, perhaps all of us, in some ways, we are either taught or perhaps we um, um, just absorb tactics that, in fact, don't work. And we're taught how to get to yes, for instance. I remember being told that. Get to yes, close the deal, so forth and so on. Well, a lot of those ways don't work. And they can also destroy opportunities. Uh, there's a popular ta- tactic that uh, that's taught, and if you do any reading about negotiation, you'll run across this in camp missions that, uh, it's the acronym BATNA, B-A-T-N-A. What it stands for is best alternative to a negotiated agreement. What it basically means, if I can boil it down, is that you go in there with your idea of what you want, but you also write a second compromise position down and uh, maybe use the term fall, but this is my fallback position. Well, that in in and of itself is not so bad, but here is what that can lead to. It can lead to a mindset that any agreement is better than no agreement. And that's simply false. There are times when you don't need an agreement. We have a saying, uh, it's not, we say it in our company all the time, and it's not original with us by any means, is that there are worse things than losing a project. It's getting a project you shouldn't have or getting a project with the wrong terms. Those kinds of things put people out of business. Uh, We've had in our career 
we've had a few projects that we should never have had. And it cost, it ended up costing us a lot of money. We made no money. It cost a lot of money. Took a lot of stress. Tied up a lot of resources. We should not have tied up at all because we negotiated uh, a, a, a bad deal. Sometimes uh, through mistakes of our own. Sometimes just through some happenstance that happened that was, in some ways was really unforeseeable perhaps in a few, way, in a few ways. But nonetheless, we found ourselves in, in the middle of a, of a terrible project that, that we very much wish we didn't have, but because of ethical considerations, because we had agreed to do it, we sort of bit the bullet and did it. Well, the trick is to stay out of situations like that. And one way that you do that is to be prepared to walk away. I'll, I'll probably mention that again as the day goes on. But, you know, there are times, and it doesn't mean you're mean about it. It just means you and the client or the uh, prospective client or, the, or, or, or whatever – that you are in a negotiation with, you are just not going to get together. Um, your interests are very divergent. What they're looking for is not something you can provide. They're asking you to do something that you really cannot do. Well, in those circumstances, what you have to do is just be very kind about it, but also be very forthright about it. Just say, we can't do that. And it looks like we are not together. Now, what you're going to find when you do that uh, I do not, by the way, advise that as a negotiating bluff tactic. I don't advise that. But if you get to that point, and this has happened to us a couple of times, you actually say that to a client, not bluffing, not bluffing at all. We're really to a point where we, we can't go any further with this. It just looks like we're not going to be able to work with you on, on this. And, you know, you're a great guy. We like you, and we're, I'm very sorry. We just can't work on, on this. What, what d- does surprise you occasionally, this has happened a few times, they will then come back and say, well, you know, we really do want to work with you, and we want to um, come to an, an agreement here. And, and then all of a sudden you're on a different level. They, and it turns out they've been kind of bluffing you. But that sort of got them on track. Again, I don't advise that as a negotiating tactic. But, again, the mistaken idea, and Jim Kemp talks about this in his article, Business Schools Teach Negotiating Tactics That Don't Work, that any agreement is better than no agreement. You know, uh, uh, a, a negotiator, a, a person that knows what they're doing in negotiation, when you're entering a, entering a negotiation, you don't go with a set of preconditions, assumptions, or uh, expectations. Because um, that leads to making bad deals. I, I, you can think of uh, perhaps even political situations you know of that, that, that where uh, we've, the U.S. in some trade deals, we've entered in some deals that we shouldn't be in. Uh, you're giving up too much and kind of um, losing an advantage. But the bottom line is negotiations are really about human behavior. That's, there's nothing else about that. And the best negotiators, people that negotiate, are uh, the ones who can identify what's interfering with a deal and help to solve the problems that brought the other party to the table. Uh, I have a good friend, Rich Russikoff, who's been a guest, guest on our show uh, several times, a business coach, and, and you know, uh, Rich started off in his career selling um, businesses in the business merger type business. Still, still does a fair amount of that, I think. And and Rich, uh, you know, he had told me a number of times that, that in in a, it was helping me to uh, buy a business action. He said, you know, there were there always comes times in every negotiation, and this is true, almost always true, where it, it even with with good faith on both sides, and you're negotiating something, you come to a place that looks like a deal killer. Now that's again, differentiate that from walking away from a bad deal, but you've come up on a spot that really looks like this is, this is an impasse. 
both of us are trying hard. We can't get past this impasse. But be prepared. What Rich advises to do is is sort of mentally acquiesce to the fact you're going to hit that place there. And but don't give up right there. Keep working a little bit and see if perhaps you can't get past it. Just understanding that almost all negotiated deals reach an impasse where it looks like it's going to be a total deal killer and not go. Here's what uh, Camp recommends uh, a few things. And the first thing he talks about is clearing away assumptions. Don't go into the deal with uh, uh, with assumptions. You know, smart people in any walk of life are the ones that admit they don't know what they don't know. You know, and, and you need to understand when you're going in negotiation with somebody, you do not know everything. You don't know what you don't know. I remember a retired executive at Montgomery Ward years ago told a story. I was in a, a seminar. He was leading on a negotiation, and he talked about when he first was a young guy went to work for Montgomery Ward. And I forgot what the, where the store was. I can't remember. It, but he said he went there, and, you know, they kind of handed him a tough job. They said, look, we sold, uh, I think, a I think a wood stove, I'm not sure about that, but but a, a, a heater of some kind, to an elderly couple. The thing caught fire and just really messed up their den where they had this installed. And, you know, we're scared to death because they're going to they're gonna probably ask us for no telling what um, to take care of that situation. They probably want us to rebuild the house and, you know, whatever. Uh, but anyhow, you know, you're the young guy here, so here you are. <laughs> Go ahead and resolve this problem. So he went out to, to meet the couple, really knowing almost nothing about the whole deal other than what his boss had just told him. So he got there, and he met the couple. And he looked, and sure enough, it, the, the, the den was kind of a mess. But he did what no one else had done to that point. He asked them, he said, though, what is it that you want from Montgomery Ward? And they said, well, if you can just replace the carpet down here, that's really all we're looking for. And he said, that, that, that'll make you happy, replace the carpet? And they said, yes. Well, Montgomery Ward was thinking they're asking to rebuild a whole corner of the house or something. He said, we'll not only replace the carpet, we'll paint the room and uh, we'll do this. He named several other things we'll do. But, but the moral of the story is this. He went in with everyone else was going in there with assumptions. They want this. They want that. They want the other. And scared to death because of the assumptions. He goes in there with no assumptions and just asks them, what is it you want? What's, what's, your, what's your area of pain here? What do you want? And they told him. And it was absolutely agreeable to them. In fact, they could do better than that. So it ended up being a great negotiation. The idea, clean away. Um, uh, Assumptions. We've gone into situations in our company before where you know we're uh, we've had a, a a client call us. It's been using another vendor, someone in the same business we're in, and they've called us in, and we make the assumption. We've done this in the past that their problem is a price problem. They're being charged too much by the other vendor, and that's a real mistake to go in saying that because it, unless you know it, again, don't go in with assumptions. And what we have done is actually fouled up a few uh, negotiations walking in there with those assumptions. It's much better to go in there and ask a lot of questions and listen very carefully to what the guy's telling you. And and not just listen with your ears, but listen with your eyes. Look at his body language and uh, look at who else in there is chiming in while, they're, while he's telling you this. And find out what their real point of pain is. Instead of assuming you are automatically know what it is, when the fact of the matter is, um, 
you know, if you just walk in there and offer lower prices, and that's not even what they're looking for. They may, maybe they're looking for quicker delivery. You go in there and talk to them about lower price, they're not even interested in you. And, and somebody else gets a job because you, you didn't bother to find out what it was they wanted. That's, again, admitting you don't know what you don't know. Clearing away assumptions. Uh, a, a Camp says that a student of negotiation needs to realize that he or she knows nothing until the other party provides the information. And the only thing that matters is what the other party reveals in the course of negotiation. When we admit we don't know the facts or the problem, we start with a clean slate, an open mind, no judgment. That is a great idea. By the way, we're streaming live on biz1190.com. Today's program will be podcast on eddiemayfield.com and on iTunes. More to come. I am Eddie Mayfield. This is Driven to Business. Stick around. Welcome back to Driven to Business. Eddie Mayfield, glad you're here. We're talking about negotiating skill that really is important to your career, whether you are in a leadership position, a sales position, or whether you're the founder of a company, uh, you are going to have to negotiate. I start off by talking about the fact, a great book by Daniel Pink called To Sell is Human. And, and you know, the, the idea of, and he defines sell as moving people from one position to another position. And in that respect, and, and, and by his title, all of us, in our lives do that, whether it's dealing with children or, or friends or uh, deciding where you're going to go eat supper or anything else. All of us, in some way, enter, enter into negotiations like that and try to find solutions that are acceptable to all parties and, and that are of benefit to all parties. And to that effect, all of us sell in his work. Well, all of us negotiate is another, just another way of saying that. It's important to negotiate. We talked about the idea of don't go in there um, with assumptions. Clear those away before you go into negotiation. Understand you don't know what you don't know and find out by asking questions. The other thing is to understand how decisions are made. You, you know, uh, as, a, as a technical type person, I, I, I had to sort of fight this when I was young. The, the idea uh, that people don't make most decisions on a rational, logical basis. We think they do. And here's the deal. We all think we make decisions on that. But when we really examine our decision-making processes, particularly our buying processes, logic doesn't always have that much to do with it. And, you know, you don't have to go much further than that. Go look at the cars people drive. People drive completely illogical cars for reasons that are not logical. They drive a car uh, because it makes them feel a certain way driving a car. Well, that's kind of illogical. You know, it, it, you, you really, if you're getting somewhere... And, and then they will come up with reasons. Oh, this car has, um, you know, really great gas mileage or a good resale value. And the fact is you're not going to resell it. You're going to keep it a long time, so it doesn't matter. Or, or this car has a great safety record. But the fact is you're coming up after the fact, coming up with those things. Most of us do not buy a car. We buy a car because we, we like it. And people, in negotiations, people agree to proposals because it resolves a problem they have. And you've got to find out what that is. And it may be a completely illogical problem. Um, once a um, negotiator understands what's hurting the opponent, then they can show how your proposal can help ease their pain. I remember a story, uh, I grew up in Alabama, a story years ago about um, uh, a, 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 a party leader over there, and this was a Democratic Party back in those days, a Democratic Party over there that was just absolutely opposing the appointment of, of a judge. 
And no, no one can understand why this guy would be opposing this judge. The judge was uh, seemed to be perfectly qualified. Remember the party? They were supposedly friends. Well, it turned out when you dug beneath the surface that years ago, in that judge's early political career, he had run for office against this other party leader's best friend. And the guy never got over it. So he's got this emotional hurt, and he's not going to uh, let that guy run. Well, again, until you uncover that, you can't deal with it. And there's another state legislator told me this. But that's not something that went out and made public. But the fact of the matter is, to negotiate, you've got to get down to that. And then you can say, hey, really, you're going to keep this guy off this bench because of that. And maybe he'll change his mind. But nonetheless, you have got to find out what the problem is when you do it. You know, if you're applying for a job somewhere, Camp talks about this, and, and you're you're just in there applying for a job, like a, a pretty nice job with a, a company somewhere, and you're talking to, to uh, the leaders in the company, well, you need to find out really what their points of pain are. What, what, what do you bring to the table, really, that matters to them? Not what you bring that matters to you. What do you bring that matters to them? He gave an example of, of a person applying for a job one time, and, and just in the course of talking to the business uh, owner, found out they were having they were losing market share among women. Uh, they, they seem to be doing fine with men, but they seem to be losing market share among women. Well, this particular applicant had, done, had worked in the past uh, uh, specifically marketing to women. So that was not even part of the resume in the discussion until he uh, he heard that. And all of a sudden, now's the time to bring that up because all of a sudden now you've got something that, that eases that pain. They end up, end up getting the job. Again, it's, it's listening, finding out what their pain is, and you can, you can do it. Now, people make decisions, the bottom line is, in order to alleviate or take away a problem or pain. Uh, the way you find that out is you ask smart questions. Um, and really, you hear all the time you should prepare for a negotiation, but part of your preparation is to learn what questions to ask. Again, go in there. You don't know everything. Figure that out before you go in there. I don't know anything, so I'm going to ask questions and find out what I know. Um, and good questions, a lot, a lot of us have had to learn this. Good questions are questions to start with what, how, and why. Um, and his, he gives an example here. Uh, it, this is a wrong way to ask a question. Is this the biggest Problem issue you face is this the biggest problem you face, and the right way to say is what is the biggest issue you face. No, don't assume you know what the issue is. Just say instead of saying is this the biggest issue you face. No, we're honing in on the one issue right there. Leave it more open ended. Say what is the biggest issue you face. Let let the other person tell you. Because remember, you don't know what you don't know. That's the way you negotiate, and you find that out. And the other thing is to be open and nurturing to people. You know. Um, <clears throat> You're going to, if, if you in, are involved in negotiations with people, you are going to occasionally run into real hard cases that are difficult to deal with. You can't do anything about them. What you can do something about is you. You don't be hard to deal with. You be open and nurturing. Um, uh, you know, say, you know, you can give say things like uh, when you're asking a question, ask it in a nurturing way. So, you know, that, that's a good question. Uh, there, but before we get into that, um, What's the biggest challenge you face? You know, you're respectful, and you're putting the other person at ease. Like put put them at ease. You sort of set the pace and the tone. And the other thing he talks about, and this is so important, is listening and observing. I have a problem with this sometimes. All of us do. You know, you've heard it said many, many times, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Actually, most research actually goes further than that. Most research said you should listen 70% of the time and speak 30%. Here's something I've noticed over the years, and I'm not the only person who's noticed this. When you are in a meeting, let's say with four people, and you're, and you're discussing a project or you're, you've got a negotiation going on in there, very often 
In fact, I would say most often, the person that speaks the least in that meeting is really the most powerful person in that meeting. That's very often true. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking the person doing all the talking is the person with the power. That's rarely true. It's the person being quiet most of the time. Um, He gives an example in his blog about a widow that was selling, had a large tract of land on the ocean, and and many real estate agents had tried to buy it from her to develop it, and she turned it down, and they always thought it was about money, so they kept coming back more and more money, and she wouldn't even talk to them. She'd turn it down. Well, this one much smarter guy goes in and talks to her at some length and finds out what she's about. And in the course of this conversation, she uses the term several times about her husband had bought this land and his legacy. And he honed in on that. What she's interested in is her husband's legacy. So what he said was, look, why don't we um, uh, put in the selling agreement a memorial to your husband in a little park or something in the middle of this development that, that is to, to be there for perpetuity. Well, no one else had done that because no one else had bothered to ask her what, or what was concerning to her. They'd always assumed it was price. Smarter guy figures out what really the issue is and resolves the problem and consequently gets the deal. It, it's observing. The other thing he talks about is maintaining emotional neutrality. This is hard for me sometimes. You know, when you own a company, you have uh, a lot of emotional capital invested in the company. I've had to learn over the years to back that down and not take offense when somebody says something in good faith critical about our company or or says that they don't think we can do something or or they're concerned that we can do something. And instead of getting all emotional, hot on the collar about it, is to absolutely stay neutral and try to look at it from their point of view. Well, of course they think that because they don't know us very well. And so we have to deal, deal with that. So you got to stay there. Uh, it, it's an important skill. It's a very important skill. The fact that you maintain your emotions. Keep in mind, most decisions are emotional decisions. They're not logical decisions. So, so if you get things out of control, that's true in every human interaction. By the way, you're listening to Driven to Business. More to come. I'm Eddie Mayfield. Hang around. Welcome back to Driven to Business. Eddie Mayfield, we're talking about negotiating today. It's maybe a bad word to some of you guys, but it really shouldn't be, and it's something you had better learn how to do if you want any kind of career success or any kind of um, or, or a particular business success, but I think even personal success. You better learn how to negotiate. I think even with teenage kids, you'd better learn how to negotiate and negotiate well. And, you know, negotiating, the, some people go in the idea of negotiation is like a ball game, but a winner and a loser. That's not really true. The other thing we'd already talked about, there are negotiations, not every, uh, uh, you don't need a, to reach an agreement on everything. In, in fact, uh, there are worse things than not getting an agreement is getting a bad agreement. There are times when you need to be prepared to walk away from the table, not in an ugly sense, not in a, a condescending sense, and not in a, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm a better than you sense, but just from the fact, rec- recognizing in good faith that you and the potential client or or whomever, you're just gonna, you just are not going to be able to get together. And I know there are other people, in fact, there's a guy I quoted a few minutes that always says, you know, that every negotiation has a chance of success, but I don't agree with that. No. I mentioned earlier there are worse things than not getting a project. It's getting a project you shouldn't have. 
because, you know, it's terrible not to get a project, and you may have to go out and find more, and it may cost you some money, but a bad project can destroy your company, and they have destroyed people's companies. You absolutely don't want to do that. Let me just throw this out with you right away, too. This is absolutely a, a principle I operate by. Do not do business with crooks. If you know someone is unethical or sleazy, don't do business with them. You cannot negotiate and, and write a tight enough agreement to protect yourself from a crook. And if, he, if his reputation is that he's not ethical, that he doesn't pay, that he uh, reneges on agreements and, and, and you end up having to get lawyers to, get, to make things happen, well, why in the world do you want to deal like that? Don't deal with it. You know, uh, lawyers write agreements. Lawyers can break agreements. Uh, deal with people that you have some element of trust with, that you feel like can negotiate with you in good faith. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. In fact, you likely will not agree. But do that. Uh, Ed Brodo, uh, his, his website is brodow.com. Brodo, he's got a good article on uh, 10 tips for negotiating in 2016. You know, I, I forgot who said this, um, um, but it's a good saying. And this is when you're talking or perhaps arguing, let's say, with, maybe I'll just use that term, with anybody, whether about business or whether about politics or whether about whatever. And, it, and it's this, seek first to understand, then to advocate. In other words, don't immediately start advocating your position. Seek first to understand why the other person feels like they do. This doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you don't have to think their position is absurd. But there's some reason they have that position. Try to understand what it is. Well, why, why would you think that? And, and you may uncover something in their past or some experience they've had that you haven't had that uh, you say, okay, well, I understand why you think that. I absolutely don't agree with you, but I understand why you think that. And that, that moves you further along. But again, seek to understand, then to advocate. And when his 10 tips for uh, negotiating, here's the uh, first thing he says, and I've already mentioned this. His first thing is be prepared to walk away. Well, again, that's not an ugly sense, but if you go into a negotiation with somebody, You've got to have a bottom line there somewhere. You know, I'm not going to put our company into an agreement where it's going to put us out of business. I'm not going to do that. So we will walk away. Or whether we're hiring someone, you know, we cannot pay uh, more than this. That's it. And if we can't get together on that, you know, this is the package. This is the absolute top package we can do unless you can show me some other way that this works. uh, I'm going to walk away. Be prepared to walk away and you know he says that just having that little idea in your back pocket gives you some power and i do kind of agree with that you can sort of tell when someone's desperate when they're desperate to go when they keep dropping their price when they keep coming back with other things and honestly when i'm with somebody that's doing that to me i'm immediately suspicious of them if somebody if some guy comes in and gives me a price and i raise objection he immediately makes a substantial lowering the price i am immediately suspicious of that guy like why well why don't you give me the high price to start with you know um, if you can sell this for that price, how in the world are you going to stay in business? You know what I mean? That, that doesn't make, it makes no sense to me. So uh, people pick up on things like that. They pick up on little clues like that. Second thing he talks about is don't be in a hurry. It is interesting if you deal with people of other cultures. You know, we Americans, we like to go in, uh, talk about something five minutes, shake hands, get to the bottom line, and, um, you know, drink a cup of coffee and see ya and be gone. Many other cultures, and we live in such a, a, a global culture today, and we live in such a, 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 
a, a mix of cultures, even right here in the Atlanta area and, and all around us, that you need to learn to deal with people with other cultures. And people with other cultures don't think that. In fact, they, just, they think it's kind of rude to be hurried into a decision. And, you know, they, they view it as a sign of weakness on your part. Uh, but and, and so the trick is don't get in a hurry. Things take time. Uh, 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 you know, if they know you're in a rush, they know you're likely to make a mistake. Um, and they, they, if they see you're not in a hurry, they begin to realize you're not under any real pressure to make a deal here. And consequently, they will uh, negotiate more. Just think about it a minute. If you're buying something from somebody and you know they absolutely must sell that, what's your uh, attitude going into that deal? It's like, hey, look, this guy has got to come down to price. I know he's under pressure to do it. And and you, even if you're the nicest person in the world, you probably are going uh, to feel you're going to put a little pressure on him to do that. But if you're with someone who is not nonchalant, I don't mean silly and nonchalant, but is obviously prepared to uh, wait a while, well, then it, it just kind of backs you down a little too and say, okay, I've got to really negotiate with this guy. He's under no pressure. I can't put him under pressure. So we're going to have to really come to an agreement that's good for everybody here. And, and that's the way you want to do it. Aim high and get the best outcome. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Donald Trump's book. Uh, I've read parts of it uh, called The Art of the Deal. In regards to what you may or may not think about Trump, and you probably mixed feelings about him. But, you know, one of the things he does say in there is always ask for more than you expect. Now, I, I don't fully agree with his uh, confrontational style, style of negotiation. Now, it may work, I think, in New York real estate type markets. I don't know. And it may work with a personality like him. It's not a per- That would be an act for me to do that, and I don't, I don't want to do it. But nonetheless, if you know that the price is going to get negotiated, if you know that going in, and you sh- that's something you should know, uh, then um, – do go in a little high if it's going to be negotiated. Now, there are, again, you got to know who you're dealing with. There are people for whom are going to be very offended if you do that. So you've got to understand the other person, where they're from, and how they're how they're going to uh, do it. And the other thing he suggests is that you focus on the other person's pressure, not yours. Because uh, uh, if the other person's, you know, we, we think we really need the sale in our company. I'm concentrating on that, concentrating on that, concentrating on that. Well, the fact of the matter is the other guy has got a uh, – um, pressures on him. You know, if, if they're if they're having to buy new equipment or they need a new service, they they need service done on equipment or whatever. Well, keep in mind they're under pressure to get that done too. The, their bosses or 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 customers or whatever are pressuring them to get this problem resolved too. Concentrate on that side of it, not always on your side. <clears throat> What's the pressure on them? They're under pressure too, and offer solutions to resolve. That pressure, again, people make decisions to relieve pain. Think of ways of taking the pain <clears throat> off of them and, and getting that going. You know, another little trick about this, or back to the time thing, just for a minute. <clears throat> you know, one of the questions you'll hear people ask sometimes uh, is, and they're talking about the process, they'll say, when are you going to make a decision about this? And, you know, usually uh, this, that's a common question uh, that you will both get asked and uh, you can ask when, uh, when you're in a negotiation with somebody or doing a presentation with somebody. And they will say, okay, we're going to do this in, you know, six weeks. In six weeks, we've got to have this project, uh, we've got to have this project started. Well, there's a follow-up question that, that Peter Burke talks about <coughs> that I like. 
And that question is this, is that what happens if it doesn't happen in six weeks? In other words, that's, that's a question that will catch them a little off guard. What, what, what will happen if, if that project doesn't start in six weeks? And a lot of times they'll think about it a little bit and say, well, really nothing. Well, then here's a clue to you. There really is no six-week time schedule on this. So you may perhaps need to probe a little deeper and find out what's the urgency of this. It could well be they're just discussing something with you that's not really even a project. They're just talking about it for the future or something. You really need to know that, don't you, before you give away a bunch of concessions to somebody for a project that's three years away. So so just ask those questions. Find out really what the, what the uh, deal is. The other thing is to be sure you are talking to the right person. It is so frustrating to go through a, a negotiation with somebody to the, the give and take of it and you're negotiating with them and, and uh, you finally, both of you agree to some things, some hard concessions, and you both get to a point where you agree on some things. And then the guy says, well, I have to discuss this with my boss. It's like, what boss? I thought you were the boss. Well, those are the kinds of things to figure out up front. In other words, negotiate the process in the beginning. That's where you ask questions. How does this process work? Who makes this decision? And, and ask probing questions about that to get to the bottom. Because a lot of people say, well, I do. We say, well, you don't have to clear this to anybody. Oh, no, no, I have to clear it with uh, the board. Well, how does that work? Who, who presents to the board? Well, I do. Well, how long does that take? In order, in order, I'm not suggesting you ask annoying questions, but you've got to find out and understand what the pro- – and, and the other, if the other person doesn't want to tell you that, um, you, you probably need to back up in a negotiation and start the whole process over again because you're not dealing with uh, – you're not dealing in good faith there. So you need to find that out. Again, don't worry about time. Find out – with the time, find out. Uh, what the real time is, and, and, and get them to justify that. But like, again, the question is, well, what happens if it doesn't, if you don't make this purchase in six weeks, what's going to happen? And if they come back and say, well, we're going to lose a major client if we don't, well, then, okay, you, you know that's probably real. That's what they're going to do. But if they say, mm, probably nothing, you know, well, that's not a real schedule. You should understand that there. And, and the other thing he suggests is to show the other person how their needs will be met. In other words, not... Instead, uh, that's the old don't sell features, sell benefits. But it's not your what you perceive as benefits. It's what they have told you are their needs and how your product or service can meet those needs. Not needs that you think they have, needs that you now know they have because they've told you and you spent the time to ask the questions, to let them tell you what their needs are. Don't go in there assuming you know what they are. Again, that's don't walk in with assumptions. Ask questions. Understand, be humble about it. Understand that you don't even know what you don't know and deal with that. And the other thing he suggests, and this is a little hard for some of us, is don't give anything away without getting something in return. I'll talk more about that after the break. You're listening to Driven to Business. Keep in mind, podcast today on eddiemayfield.com after the program and on iTunes. More to come. Be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Driven to Business, talking about negotiating. Right before the break, I was talking about a, a, um, a, uh, a blog by Ed Brodo, and he was talking there about 10 ways to, uh, uh, 10 tips for negotiating. One, one of the things he talked about right before the break was don't uh, give away anything away without asking something in return. And that sounds a little uh, um, perhaps more uh, abrupt than, than I would word that. But here's the deal. You know, many people, and maybe you may be this kind of person, and especially people that are like purchasing, purchasing agents and people like that, they're sort of trained and uh, 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 encouraged 
to ask for concessions, even if they don't expect them and even if they don't need them, they are going to ask you. So you, you may get a price objection from somebody, for instance, and that really is a perfunctory objection. It's a perfunctory objection. And, and uh, is it, it, he's just... He's just feeling you out to see if you're going to get how, how quick are you going to uh, bend over. I heard a, I heard a guy uh, say one time that you know dropping your pants is a poor negotiating tactic, and it is. In other words, uh, be professional about things. If, if you're going to, if he's going to ask you for a lower price, if you're going to get, you can say, well, look, if I have to lower the price, uh, if 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 in order, if you really require a lowered price, well then. It, you know, then this is going to happen. Uh, the the term, maybe the terms have to change or uh, the quantity has to change or the, the, you know, some features have got to be left off. You see, if you really need to get down in price, we can lower. I'll have to remove uh, several features if that's important to you. But I think these features are very, you know, you, but if you if you think this, if, if, it's, if, if the equipment really needs these features to meet all their needs, you can say, but I don't encourage you to do that because that's how you handle things like that. Now, you may come back and say, look, I have to get the price down below that because they're on my back about it, and that's what I've got to do. And you say, okay, well, here's, again, you try to alleviate the pain. You say, okay, here's how we can do that. Here's how we can do that. And you sort of become a partner with them and figuring out how to get the price down and maybe use whatever expertise you have in the product, in the equipment, service, whatever it is, to get the price down where they are. But don't just immediately give it away without giving something in return. And even then, you could, you could say, look, I will do my best to get it down. If I get this price down to the, but, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, do some doing to get this price down. Are, is are, are are you know are you prepared to give an order here on this if I do that? You know, get something in return on that. And the other thing he talks about is that don't take the other person's uh, behavior personally. That's very hard for some of us to do. You know, you don't want to be rude, but don't take the other person's behavior uh, uh, personally. And particularly, don't you be rude to any of them. I'll talk very briefly about a, a, a very good article out of Forbes, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but it, and it's written by a guy named Deepak Malhotara, and he's a, he wrote a book called Negotiating the Impossible. And his title in the Forbes article is How to Negotiate Situations That Feel Hopeless. And um, he goes back to the fact that negotiation Fundamentally, it's about human interaction. It's not really about dogs and dollars and cents. Not really. It's about human interaction. And how can we engage uh, human beings in such a way to achieve better uh, understanding and agreement? You know, negotiation, he defines it this, as a process by which two or more parties who perceive a difference in interests or perspective attempt to reach an agreement. Now, this assumes, this assumes good faith. If you're, if you're negotiating with someone and you assume they are not negotiating good faith, you need to leave the table. Uh, again, don't deal with crooks. But very often, you will find the other party, even though you're far apart on agreement, they are talking to you in good faith. And it's just that you, and, and then you can begin to, uh, to, um, to work on that. And one of the things he talks about, and I've already mentioned this earlier, is to negotiate process before substance. And what he means by that is this, what I mentioned earlier, if you don't want to get to the end of the negotiation and find out the person you're talking to does not have the authority to, to make the deal, well, then you, why are you talking to them? And it may be that that 
is sometimes a negotiation right there because they may have been told by their boss to, to in effect, um, screen all the uh, proposals there. But you probably need to get above that and say, negotiate that away. Make that a negotiating point and say, I need to talk with whomever is going to make this decision. That may take a few. That may take some guts on your part. It may take leaving the table on that part. If you're, if you figure out there that 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 his boss has a price objective you cannot meet, well, there's no point in wasting your time. You, you need you need to uh, you need to figure that out before you before you get there. Um, talking to the right person that's a very big deal. He talks a lot in there about um, empathy. Uh, and, and empathy is misunderstood in a way. Empathy uh, is is about understanding. It's not about being sympathetic necessarily. It's about understanding. And what I mentioned earlier, you need to uh, understand first and advocate secondly. When somebody's taking a hard position, negotiating position, it's very helpful if you can figure out why they are taking that position. Understand their perspective. Why would you take a position like that? And one of the best ways to figure that out is to simply ask them. I don't understand why you would take a position like that. Tell me why you take a position like that, or, or explain to me why you uh, you think that's uh, that you need that. And by getting them to open up, and you may find out uh, again that that if you listen carefully during the process of him explaining that, you may hear an opportunity in there, and you may say, "Okay, I can't do that, but I can do this." Uh, it, tell me if that. Uh, if, if that's a problem for you and, and let him tell you again. And that's how you, you uh, deal with it. And you know, and uh, Deepak makes the point that empathy is needed most often uh, when you're dealing with people who seem to deserve it the least. <laughs> We've all had that situation. People who really, we don't want to be empathetic with because we don't understand them. Keep in mind, empathy is not sympathy. You may, you may still, after understanding their position, think they're an idiot. That's after you understand it. But understand first why everybody has a reason for why they do what they do. Try to figure out why he's doing that. Why? Why are you uh, do, doing g- getting that done? Uh, now, Deepak has an interesting statement in here. I don't know if I agree with it. Maybe you don't. He says that I firmly agree that I firmly believe that any problem humans have created can ultimately be solved by humans, uh, and it may not be solved today or on the time scale we would prefer. And he's talking even there. Uh, he's a guy that involves like negotiating. Uh, uh, ceasefires, for instance, between countries. He's involved with things like that, things that are very difficult where you're dealing with all kind of ethnic and um, um, long-standing territorial speeches and things of that sort. Thank goodness I don't have to get involved with that. I'm dealing with, dealing with we're generally negotiating a, 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 a particular project or ne- negotiating a, uh, let's say the project did not go exactly as planned and you're, you're negotiating a bit of a settlement on the project, okay, you know, you either owe me, you know, we got there and the project was not as you described, so you owe us more money. Or they say, well, you know, uh, you got there and, and you were going to do this. It didn't, it, and we, we felt like it, it took too long or whatever, and they want concessions from us. Those are the kinds of negotiations that we end up in. And I suppose that, that most of us end up in similar negotiations. You may end up in a negotiation asking for a raise at work. The same thing applies. In every case, go in there assuming you don't know anything and be very humble and admit you don't know what you don't know. And the way you find out things is to ask open-ended questions. Ask the who and what and how questions. That's how you do it. 
be uh, be uh, humble, honest, and open with people. You'd be amazed how far that will go in business for you. But everybody needs to learn to negotiate. If you can't do it, you will not be successful in business. And here on Driven to Business, that is what we try to talk about, is success principles in business. By the way, we're here every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock right here in Atlanta's Biz 1190. Lots of other great programming as today goes on. We'll see you again next week. Keep in mind, if you missed part of today's program, it's podcast on eddiemayfield.com and on iTunes. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Driven to Business with your host, Eddie Mayfield. Visit next Saturday at 11 a.m. on Biz 1190 for more Driven to Business. To learn more about Driven to Business, visit eddiemayfield.com or call 770-448-4644.